Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Believe in Bears. My name is Joy Christopoulos with my co-host, Corey Wooten. Today's episode is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. And look, it's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. And as always, BetOnline is your number one spot for all your pro and college football action this season. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar NFL mega contest, the world's largest $200,000 NFL survivor contest, open now only at bet online so what do you do go on the website or vi- go on your mobile device right now and sign up today to receive a 100 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit take advantage of their opening day super promo make a bet that's on thursday september 9th for the season opener between the buccaneers and dallas cowboys and if you lose your wager will be refunded up to 25 dollars for new customers only when signing up with using the promo code nfl 100 bet online it's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports bet online your online sports book experts ladies and gentlemen thank you for coming into this pod this is a special pod here today because this is an official 2021 chicago bears season preview we are just about a little bit over a week away from the bears kicking off week one against the rams so it's time to bring in my co-host former defensive chicago bears defensive and and also believe podcast network number one girl dad it's Corey wooten hello Corey. <laughs> Hey, what's going on, man? I, lo- I love the intro, man. Got the two daughters, girl, dad, you know, I'm representing. <laughs> I, we were talking about the pre-pod, man. School's back in session. So, I mean, are you a are you a guy that cuts the sandwiches in half? Are you a diagonal guy? How are we playing this year? You know, um, you know, my youngest daughter really likes the butterfly cut. So I cut it in half and then put it like butterfly wings. You know, I got to I got to I got to make sure she's happy. Uh, and then my oldest they uh this year they did something new where they have breakfast and lunch uh, at school so i said hey go ahead it's one less thing i got to worry about <laughs> that's, that's awesome i love the uh, i love the culinary style there all this yeah. shapes and sizes is the way to roll school's back in session which means the nfl season is back it is right it's back in the it is back what is the i mean simple easy question Corey. how excited are you man and just what are the thoughts running through your mind right now as uh, the bears are about to kick off in about eight or nine days man there is no time like this you know leading up to the season the season starting next week with that thursday night game i mean it's it's something we've been waiting for all year you know once football season's over you know, basketball's okay. I watch the finals. It's it's cool once once the playoff hits and the finals because they play hard. But football season, they play hard every game. That's what you gotta love and respect about. It. I mean, basketball has so many games, baseball has so many games, but just the fight every week, week in and week out, with all the teams out there from the worst team in the league to the best. And I'm excited about the Bears. You know, it's it's another season for them. Uh everybody has, you know expectations and hopes i don't know if they're as high this year with, with with our quarterback situation right now but i think people are excited about the season because you never know what may happen right that's why they play the games because of, of what could happen so i'm excited to to see how the how the bears will actually fare this season offensively defensively special teams wise because predictions you know every year everyone has this prediction of what's going to happen and sometimes it fits in between that prediction but sometimes you know, they go above or below what, what we predicted. And we're going to be making some predictions right here in this pod. So make sure you listeners stick around to hear that. I completely agree. It's funny. You know, if you've got baseball, it's on every single day. It goes on for six months. If you miss a game here and there, no big deal. Basketball, yeah. um, sort of kind of the same. You can miss a game on a Tuesday night and make sure you get your fill in on a weekend. And this is something that I'm saying is so obvious. But every year I just remind myself, football, man, when you think about it, you wait those six days. And then you wake up in the morning, and then for me, it's about putting on that television and hopefully cheering on my Bears to a victory. And if they get it or they don't, then it's over, and you start all over again, and you just build up that anticipation, and then you have that release. That's what makes the NFL just so unbelievably special. And like you said, you know, the Bears, a lot of opinions right now, a lot of expectations, but... I find it ironic that, you know, we're, we're there's tons of guys on this team that we know from a Khalil Mack to an Allen Robinson, faces that have been on our team for several years, but there's a little bit of mystery surrounding this team a little bit. I, I, I get the sense that not everyone is really 100% sure what this team is going to do out there on the field, which is intriguing, and I think it speaks to some of that talent on that team. 
Yeah, I think so. I think we kind of know what they can do defensively. We know what they're capable of. I think it's the offense is the question mark, right? We you talk about Andy Dalton. That's not everybody's favorite right now. We like to see Justin Fields out there. And then the O-line, you know, we feel good about the guards and the center, but the tackles, you know, Jason Peters, an older guy that's kind of towards the end of his career. This could be possibly his, potentially his last year. And then the right tackle, you know, we got a, a Fadi out there that's finally healthy, but there's some question marks about him. You know, I, I know people haven't been completely sold about what they've seen uh, from him, you know, across the last couple of years. So it's going to be interesting to see the, the offensive side of the football. And, and I talked about, I think for them to have great success this year, whether it's Fields or Dalton at some point, you know, we, we have to figure out the running game. That's what's got to be clicking on all cylinders. Right. And, you know, I, I think you got to be a run first team, especially with the defense the way it is. And just to give whatever quarterbacks out there confidence. I think Montgomery, you got to give him the rock early and often. He's got to lead the league in carries, in my opinion, if the Bears are going to have a successful season. You guys, you're going to take us into the locker room, kind of get us um, a sense of how team, you know players right now are preparing for the season coming up. I do want to ask you really quick. We haven't spent a ton of time. We've done a couple episodes here on this pod, but we haven't done a ton of time on Andy Dalton. And you just brought him up. We can talk all day long about completion percentage or touchdowns to interception ratio and and all that. But from someone who played the game, who's in the NFL, for Andy Dalton, and we're going to do game install next week with matchups with the Rams and everything, but what are like some specific things or maybe some keys for Andy Dalton that you think he can employ or you want to see week one that can make him a successful quarterback You know, for the time being while he holds the starting quarterback mantle? Yeah, I want to see him take command of the offense, right? We know he's a great leader out there. Um, I, I want to see him take command of the offense and have confidence. That's that's the biggest thing, because at times in his career, I felt like he kind of struggled with confidence. And I think that's a that's a big key when you talk about quarterbacks playing well, is carrying that confidence out in your, your playing ability. And you saw it at times where it kind of wavered, especially when he got hit a lot. You know, I think about some games when J.J. Watt was playing against them and they were going at it, the Red Rider uh, comment and all that. Um, when he's hit, when he gets hit, he gets flustered. And that's what I've seen over his career. And you talk about the question marks at the tackle position. This could be a situation where early on he's getting hit a lot. So how is he going to fare against that? And, and that's why I'm hoping they can game plan around it, really get that running game going, um, some chip help you know, with the tackles and until they sure things up. So the, the confidence, that's, that's what I want to see from him. Um, you know, if he gets hit, get, get up and, and get back at it. You know, it's, it's something that over his career I've kind of seen when he gets hit, that's when he struggles. Yeah. When I think of veteran quarterbacks, obviously the first one is protect the football. The second one I think is what you're kind of leading towards is with that running game, sell that play action. And when you do play action, make it count. Especially exactly. if you're a veteran like Andy Dalton. And then the third one is maybe something that I'm overthinking or overcompensating with. And I want to ask you, as a veteran, is there maybe, I don't know, a huge advantage. Is there a tiny advantage with Andy Dalton under center with this kind of ramshackled offensive line to get his guys lined up? You know, I know the center's kind of in charge of what establishing the mic and stuff like that. But can Andy help with that pre-snap motion, get people lined up, keep them out of bad plays and bad situations? For sure. You know, he's a guy that is a smart guy. He, like I said, he's a leader. He, he can take command of an offense, right? And Jason Peters just getting acclimated into this offense is kind of might be unsure of certain protections and slides. And, you know, Andy's going to be talking with him right away. Where Justin Fields, I kind of don't know if he would have been ready, you know, to, to be able to focus on, you know, every, every piece of everything before the play, all the pre-snap stuff. So a guy like Andy is like, okay, I feel comfortable being a dude. I've, I've been around the block before I've done this, you know, I played in games. So that's something that he definitely has an advantage of over Justin Fields, but you know, the, the fans, the fans want Justin Fields. I mean, you see it all over Twitter. I mean, you, you and I both, we want Justin Fields out there. Right. And yeah. that's the, that's, that's the hardest part for me, I think to understand is I think so coaches nowadays get so caught up in, in worrying about the psyche of, of a quarterback. And if, and if you're worried about a guy that if he has a bad game or a couple bad games, if he's just going to go in the tank and never be the same, then why did you draft him? Right. Yeah. If, if you're so worried about them, but you know, you've done enough due diligence through his college career, his interviews, you've seen, you know, him go against Clemson against uh, Trevor Lawrence and put up numbers against him and look like the better quarterback out there. So 
I just don't understand that. If, if like, I, like I said from the beginning, he's your guy. You trade up for him. You can cater this offense. Like you've seen what Kansas City's offense has been with Patrick Mahomes. And I'm not saying Justin Fields is, is Patrick Mahomes yet. He could potentially be there one day. We don't know. But I think he's an athletic quarterback that can do it all. And you just, you just game plan the offense around him. Right. You, you script for success, just like with Russell Wilson. Right. He was a young guy that played played early and they they cater around. And he had a great rookie season. Right. He didn't look out of place at times, you know, when when they pressured him and did this. But it's a learning experience. And and to get growth and, and learning and maturity out there, you have to play. So, yeah, I, I get it about the old line situation and all that. But you could always have chip help. You could always, you know, do boots, rollouts, stuff to protect your offensive line. So. Yeah, Andy Dalton's the guy, and we, we have to accept it. But, yeah, I kind of wish they would have went with Fields right away. And something that I want to also point out that I think you're hitting on with Justin Fields, Rex Grossman, for example, um, he'd throw three picks in a game, and it really would kind of – it would rattle him. It would it'd mess with his accuracy. He would even do stuff where he would just kind of throw it into three – you know, into traffic into three defenders and just hope to God they would make a reception. Jay, I felt like at times there was a body language issue a little bit where if Jay wasn't having a good game, it just kind of wasn't working out. It wasn't going to turn around. And, you know, I like I thought Jay was a productive player, but that's just my opinion. And the same thing with Mitch, where I kind of felt like Mitch had a little bit of that shake it off mentality. But as you saw in 2019, you know, when he got benched in that Rams game, I think stuff really started to cave in on him and he began to lose his confidence. All I'm trying to say is with Justin Fields. I feel like he's just got this cool baseline. This, you know, I'm playing I'm playing this game whether it's incomplete or complete. And I'm telling you right now, that is what Chicago Bears fans want. We want to see you. It's not that we want to see you fail, but if you fail, we want to see you stand right back up, get out there and keep trying as if nothing went wrong. You know what I mean? Dust the dirt off, you know, the whole act like you've been here before with the touchdown stuff. That's Chicago Bears mentality, and I think he actually has like that type of intangible that could honestly really help him. I, I think so too. So, so what do you think about the point I was getting that with teams are so concerned about the psyche of a quarterback? We don't want to shat. We don't want to break him. We don't want to. Do you, do you think this is something that they're being too cautious? Like, because any other position they would let play out there week one, you know, first round offensive tackle, first round um, defensive end, cornerback, whatever. They'd be out there day one, you know, but with the quarterback, they just seem like very cautious about stuff. Like, and I talked about the example with Jared Goff, right? He, he sits out the whole season until like the last two weeks and they play him because they're, they're so bad. It doesn't even matter. Um, what, do, what do you think about that? Um, I love that you're throwing this at me because as you mentioned, there's a lot of different examples from different NFL teams, right? Of how they go about their business. So I want to talk specifically about what I think Matt Nagy and the Chicago bears are thinking. And I think that a very long time ago, probably the night before they drafted Justin Fields because they already had Andy Dalton. They said to themselves, you know what? We are going to put this plan in place. And they drew it up on some sort of, you know, grease board or whatever. And they said, you know, we're going to bring him along slowly and Andy's going to be our starter and we're going to see how it goes. Justin Fields could throw 450 touchdowns to zero interceptions in training camp and 11 on 11s. And this is our plan. Compliment, you could say uh, loyalty, you could say discipline. Um, the other side is you can definitely criticize that and say, what's the point of evaluation? What's the point of going out there every single day? And we've talked about it before about the meritocracy inside of a locker room of the best guy who gives you the best chance to win. Again, how excited are we for to play to watch football on Sundays? You only get 17 of these bad boys, right? Everyone is sacred. And as, and as you've mentioned on previous pods, Everyone's out there giving 110% to make a name for themselves and take care of not just business for their team, but take care of business for their family. So it just sort of seems like Nagy looks himself in the mirror every night and he goes, I'm doing the right thing. I'm disciplined. This is discipline. This is discipline. And they're going to sort of see how it goes. I think he plays week one. I think week two, I think that Dalton definitely plays. And then after that, I think it turns into a quarter by quarter basis. Let me ask you, I'm going to throw this back at you. Do you think at this point, is it any, is it possible at all that Matt Nagy and this team right now are scheming up a way to have Justin Fields play a snap or two, a series, or maybe some sort of look in a red zone week one. And we, the little surprise. I, I think so. I, I think, I think that's how you do it. You know, especially if, if, 
no one's expecting Andy Dalton to, to light it up, right? Fair to say. I, I think they're, they're expecting him to manage a game, make some completions here and there, but I don't think they're expecting him to be a Pro Bowl caliber, you know, leading the league in passing yards, efficiency, et cetera. I think they're expecting him to be a game manager. That's probably what they've fed him. But I'm hoping if, if maybe they could bring Justin Fields in some kind of slash role like Cordell Stewart back in the day, right? One, one of our favorites to watch, you know, Num number 10 on the Steelers, you know, we used to play Madden. He could do it all, you know, 99 speed, et cetera. So if they could do something like that, put him not, not in like a, a situation like a, you know, wide receiver or something, but if they could have some quarterback design runs, you know, kind of like that. RPO with Montgomery. Yeah. Next and are we snapping to Montgomery? Or are we snapping the field? Yeah, exactly. You, you, you kind you kind of get the defense thinking and just Justin Fields being out there. That's a different element. Right. And even in a situation where you have Andy Dalton out there and then you possibly put Justin Fields in a receiver role just for a play, just to mess with them. You don't even throw him the ball, but it's a situation where, like, they're always thinking, oh, what if they throw it to him? And then he throws it deep across, you know, to Marquise, Marquise Goodwin, you know, who, who they just signed, one of the fastest guys in the league, or yeah. Allen Robinson, right? Wait, yeah, real quick, I'm having fun with this. So if you were on the Rams, you're on the defensive line, it's it's first and goal on the six-yard line, and Justin Fields comes in. In your head, are you saying they're going to RPO him to run? or? Are you right? 100, 100%. If, if, if I'm the defensive end in that situation and I know, and he can outrun 100% of the DNs in the league, there's nobody that can run with him. I, I'm sorry. There's fast guys out there, but there's nobody that can run with him. So when he's out there, right, and he, he acts like he's going to hand the ball off, right, they're going to go right to the outside because they know it. And what is that going to do? Open up the running game for Montgomery. Yep. Touchdown, right? So this is something that maybe, you know, Dalton is your guy. But you bring him in, right? You slowly, you know, get him in there in a situation where you're like, okay, he was running the RPOs good. Okay. Oh, he's just defenses think, oh, he's just gonna run the ball when he's in there, right? Play action. Whoop. And then a situation where like, oh, he's doing really good at this. Andy Dalton, you're not our guy anymore, right? Oh well <laughs> and on top of that too is what's what's been the Chicago Bears offense's problem the last couple of years is breaking their own tendencies. Exactly. Figures it out, and all of a sudden you can't run the ball anymore, and you're just in shotgun with Nick Foles, and he's dropping back and trying to do the best he can with an offensive line or whatever. And, exactly. and everyone, you become one dimensional. Yep. Nope. Kind of create something a little different there. The, the one thing I hope they don't do, and we, we talked about this a little bit, is on third and short or fourth and short, please do not do any kind of sweep. Uh, you know, sideline to sideline running play, put two tight ends there, like we said, Akeem Hicks at fullback, whatever, and lead the way and give it to David Montgomery. Because if I see that play one more time, I'm going to throw something at the television screen because it makes me so angry. Like, come on, you're, you're, you're going four yards that way, five yards behind the ball to get, to get one yard. Okay. So I, I just, I just don't understand that. Like I trying to be too cute at times, like, I I hate to say this, dude, but I'm going to have to cut this portion out and I might have to bring it back into future pods because we know <laughs> he's not going to be able to help himself. Exactly. You're, you're in Kansas City. That's the barbecue capital of the world. Now you're in Chicago, the city of broad shoulders. Get out of here with this CFL stuff and give me yeah. a little north south and, and just, you know, if you don't get it, then all or, or right, whatever. But that, I, you know, it's about put, putting your best foot forward and just saying, yeah. hitting this yard. Yeah. Barbecue place, you know, it's like, ordering some kind of vegan sausage at a, at a barbecue place, right? You get brisket or pulled pork or some ribs, okay? That's what that's what was happening on those third and fourth and short. Can I get a vegan? No. Give me some brisket <laughs> downhill, right? Come on, man. <laughs> Anyways, today's episode is also brought to you by Play Action because, look, this is exciting news. Bet on Chicago is partnering with PlayActionPools.com this season to bring you some interactive fun to the sport we love most. You'll be able to get in on all the action with our PlayActionPools.com football pick'em challenge, which is open to everyone. So here's how it works. You sign up for our contest, believe football pick'em at PlayActionPools.com, and then get your picks in each week. We're going to select the 10 highest profile games of the week between NFL and college football. Whoever gets the most picks correct each week will win a pair of electric sunglasses and a pair of DC shoes. So again, go to PlayActionPools.com and sign up for the contest. Believe, B-L-E-A-V, football pick'em. And if you plan on hosting your own football contest, go to PlayActionPools.com today. They've got Survivor Pick'em, as well as a cool sportsbook style contest concept called build your own bankroll that's only at playactionpools.com your new home for all your office sports picks now back to the pod
I do want to ask you, I want to take uh, the listeners inside the locker room real quick. We were talking briefly about it on pre-pod. Let's start first with, we're going to go on two sides. We're going to start on the veteran side, and then we're going to go on you know, the young and up-and-comer side. But you mentioned on the pre-pod, Akeem Hicks. Yep. Kind of walk us through right now a guy who's a veteran, 33 years old, knows how to get himself ready. But kind of walk us through what's his preparation point right now, eight or nine days away from week one. You know, What's his mindset right now? So he's a guy that's established himself in the league. And, and we I talked to, to you off camera about the difference between this, right? A guy, Kim Hicks, established himself. Uh, coaches know what he can do. He knows what he can do. And he's been doing this. He's been starting for a while. So he knows how to get himself ready, right? He's been limited in, in the preseason and practices, et cetera. And I, I talked about this. Guys like him, Khalil Mack and company, and uh, guys that have been starters in this league, they just have to get themselves ready for this week one. And the coaches know that they get ready every year, whether or not they're practicing every day, whether or not they know they turn on a switch coming this week in the preparation this week and next week for the game. So he's doing everything, you know, getting his body ready, eating nutrition, just getting in that mindset because the preseason is a different mindset, right? It's for the guys that are established. It's just being healthy for week one. So he knows what he needs to do. And he talked about, about a guy like, like Gibson, right. You know, a guy on the, on the defensive line, uh, this younger guy, he, he's somebody that he wants to get in the rotation, right. And he, sh- he showed well during preseason. He's done a great job. So he's kind of getting in that situation. Like how big is my role, right? Hopefully I've done enough from preseason to show them that I could be a rotational guy. I can play a lot. Like they have trust in me and confidence as, as going into his second year. So, he is like, hey, every practice, every, you know, situation in the film study, coach asked me a question. I have to know what's going on. I got I got to know what Akeem Hicks is doing. I got to know what Eddie Goldman's doing. I got to know what the, the linebackers are doing, safeties. So it's just being aware of everything because he's trying to earn their trust. And in a defensive line, you want a great rotation. You know, a guy like Mario Edwards is going to be out for two games. So it'd be big for him to step up if, if the coaches trust him enough and it would give guys rest like Khalil Mack and Robert Quinn, you know, because you want that rotation because the problem a lot of times in the league, and you, and you see this and you could, you could probably attest to this if you watch a game and really focus on it. A lot of times teams don't rotate enough, especially in, in the uh, end and tackle positions and guys are out there tired. And the thing is, right. You can, you can be out there and you can be functioning. You can play the run well, but when it comes to pass rushing, I mean, that's that's what makes the difference between a you know college lineman and a pro lineman, right? Is the emphasis on pass rush, right? And if you're tired, you can't give 100% against you know great guard or great center or great tackle. So it's all about getting that rotation. And I think if they have a great rotation this year, which I believe they have the pieces too, um, I think they can keep those guys healthy and fresh. And their sack numbers will be up, you know, because because a guy like he makes, I think he should be a 10 sack guy. Right. And I think at times there hasn't been people to spell him out, you know, and I'm, I'm hoping this year they'll be able to give him some more rest because, hey, when you're 330, I mean, you can only go hard so many plays. I mean, that's just that's just how it is. Like people don't realize how tiring it is. You, you're pushing against somebody that's 330, 315 every play. And then you're running to the football. You're trying to pass rush. You're trying. It is hard taking on double teams. So. Just keeping them fresh. Yeah, those 12-play drives and all that stuff. We're on the exact same page because my very next question for you was, if you're a guy like Gibson and you've been in his shoes before, you know, young linemen coming up, of course they're going to have rotations. And I don't want to say that anyone's not in shape. Keem Hicks, Khalil Mack, these guys are ready to play football. I just don't think your body is naturally ready to do those four quarters probably right off the bat. So if you're a a guy like Gibson, are you looking at it like – are you looking at the second quarter? Or are you kind of more looking at that third quarter of being like, you know, these guys might need to get a little bit of a blow just because it's week one, you know, by week two, week three, they're, they're ready to go all the time. Are you kind of looking in that area of being like, Hey, this is when I need to step up. So, so I think the, the biggest thing is, um, you know, I play with Rob Marinelli, uh, you know, who's now I think for the, for the Raiders, I think he's their defensive line coach and uh, coordinator. So he was a guy that was our, our coordinator and our defensive line coach. And he always just preached the importance of keeping guys fresh early. So he would give guys like six plays, get them out. Right. And then, you know, if there was a situation where it was a hurry up, you know, obviously we couldn't do that, but he's like, listen, 
when the game matters, I want my aces in there, right? So, so I was a guy in 2012, I started off the season as the rotational guy. So I'll come in for Izzy Adonage and Julius Peppers, right? And then I work my way into the starting lineup just because I proved to him that, hey, I could get, you know, 40 snaps a game off the bench and be just as productive as a starter. So this is an opportunity for a guy like Gibson. If they rotate him early and often, you know, to be able to think, think about that. You have, you know, five, six guys on the defensive line that can all give you sacks at any point in time, right? You know, Mario Edwards when he gets back, Gibson, Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Akeem Hicks, Eddie Goldman inside. That is a pretty good rotation in there if they can keep those guys fresh. And it's dangerous. In 2012, we had one of our best seasons uh, defensive seasons in Chicago Bears history. We had that rotation. Myself, Izzy Adonage, uh, Julius Peppers, Henry Melton, Stephen Paya, you know, guys like that. And, you know, it was something that, like, we just kept each other fresh. And, you know, I was able to move inside. Izzy was able to move inside. And we kind of just all rotated in there. And it kept us fresh. It kept us rushing the passer. Because in this league, comes to a quick one, two, balls out. That's what our coach always said. So you got it. You got to, you got to win quick. You got to stay fresh. You got me thinking to, you know, Henry Melton, Tommy Harris, the return of Eddie Goldman. Exactly. Uh, all, all reports were thumbs up after that final preseason game. Just real quick. What do you think he's going to do to that rotation? And maybe as that, uh, that partner with, uh, with uh, Hicks in the middle. Oh, it's, it's huge. I think he's, he's, you know, one of the one of the most talented nose tackles in the game. And he's a guy that's kind of been banged up, you know, on and off the past couple of seasons. And that's what we talked about, just getting him healthy. And we saw him in that last preseason game. He looked good moving around. And it's just about getting those reps. We know what he can do. But him and him and Hicks over there inside, I mean, that is a deadly combination in there. And I think if he stays healthy this year, this could be a true breakout season for him, you know, with with the, you know, tackle numbers, uh, sack numbers, pressure numbers, because all the attention is on there. Akeem Hicks, that dude is an a- absolute, he is literally a, a grizzly bear out there. I mean, people are scared of him out there and and they command a lot of attention on him. It's surprising to see so many guys on, on you know, third down situations getting double teamed. It's usually the ends that get double teamed, but he's yeah. a guy inside that gets double teamed. There's so much attention. He's triple teamed at times. I mean, it's just unbelievable to see the the type of respect he commands. So I'm hoping I'm hoping this front seven, and I talked about for this team to really have a successful season, it starts with that front four for sure. I think those guys, if they can do what I think they're going to do this season, I think defensively they can be successful. And the rushing cover, that works together, right? If they're rushing well, they're pressuring, they're getting sacks. They're, of course, an errant throws that's going to lead to interceptions, a lot of a lot of you know three and outs etc so that's that's how you win in this league and it it starts with the defensive line I think every team that's that's been a dominant defensive team it starts with that front four and front seven and for everyone that today is you know reading the articles about the situation going on with the Bears secondary in terms of having to move on from Trufant which is just kind of it's just kind of a a tough situation you know what I mean he's going through something with his family right now just can't be out there on the field they did re-sign uh, Artie Burns, and it looks like it's going to be Kendall Vildor kind of in that mix right now. But if you get that front seven going, maybe they can kind of work through some of those issues a little bit quicker and kind of can solidify that unit moving forward. Let's take a quick break to talk about our sponsor, Balance 7. So I don't know if you've heard, but apparently former NBA player Lamar Odom may be returning to professional basketball in Spain soon. He's been taking a new product he owes the credit to. It's called Balance 7. Balance 7 is a pH balancing alkaline supplement drink. And look for anyone in their 30s and above, or maybe even before. Look, I'm 37, but even in my 20s, every day was a maintenance day. I could use a little something like Balance 7 for a little bit of help. So head to Balance7.com and use the code BLEAV, believe, for free shipping. Balance7.com. Use the code BLEAV for free shipping. I did. And if it worked for Lamar Odom, it can work for you too. Now back to the pod. I do want to ask you, let's start talking about the season a little bit. I was looking up the schedule. So if I'm wrong, uh, Bears fans, uh, comment or whatever, question, whatever you want. They don't play a single, they don't play two road games in a row or two home games in a row. Yeah, because you're right. Yeah. Home away, home away, home away all season. I can't remember the last time that's ever happened. Corey, is that a good thing? Is that a bad thing? You know, what does that mean as a player? You know, I think obviously anytime you play a soldier field, that's an advantage, right? Um, just because your home crowd, they get rocking. 
Um, and I think, you know, a lot of complaints, and, and this is a real thing, um, people complain about the field, soldier field. It's, it's, it's like a thing every year, you know, it's, oh, it's, it's the worst field in the league. Oh, my footing is this and that. I and, play, and duh. I play dumb. <laughs> right. And, and it's a thing like, obviously it's an advantage for, for, you know, the bears players because you play in it, you know how it does, but you know, the teams that have a lot of speed and, you know, can, you know, have, have guys that are really shifty. They hate it because they think it's, a, you know, it's an uneven surface and it's a disadvantage for them. But yeah, I guess, I guess the biggest thing is just how much confidence you have. Right. And if, and if you keep stacking wins, I don't think it matters whether you're home or away. I think, just the confidence you bring in. And I think this is going to be a defensive ball club, like I talked about. So if they can be at opposing stadiums and get those three and outs and, and keep the score low, it's a lot easier to play on the road. Um, you know, when, when, when things aren't going your way and the team is, the home team is rocking, the crowd gets into it. And then offensively for the bears playing away, that's hard. You know, when the crowd noise is up, then we talk about the, uh, offensive line situation and all oh, they're trying to, they're trying to see, you know, and the tap, you know, the silent count. And then that's a whole nother beast, you know? So I look at some of these stadiums and that does concern me a little bit, but I'm hoping the defense keeps things at bay. And then that crowd won't be into it as much. There's no way to slice it. The road schedule is tough this year. The road games are the Rams, the Browns, the Raiders, the Buccaneers, the Steelers Monday night football, the Lions on Turkey Day, the Packers on Sunday night football, at Seahawks, at Vikings. That's not easy, Corey. That's not easy. But here, you know what? When you start looking at the home schedule and what you're talking about a little bit, and if this team can be that defensive ball club and take care of business at home, you might be looking at a little bit of a more successful season than you want to believe. Home schedule, Bengals, Lions, Packers, 49ers, Ravens, Cardinals in December, mm-hmm. Vikings, Giants. I, I like the, I like the home schedule. The home schedules the home schedule I I can wrap my head around and I'm I'm an optimist but I can kind of wrap my head around a 6 and 2 at home. I I can. Yeah, I I I could see that for sure. I I think most of their wins uh, are going to be at home. I think the road schedule is tough. You know, you look at Seattle, Seattle. I mean, that's a hard place to play. I don't care how bad the O-line is playing for Seattle or this. I mean, they always find a way to get it done. That 12th man is no joke. <laughs> you know, so it's it's, it's going to be hard, you know, cuz all all these teams that, you know, you're talking about they're playing on the road are all teams that they're predicting to be very well this year, to do well. And, you know, the, the Browns, that's, that's a scary team, honestly. I think they're, they're, they're going to, they're going to do some damage this year. You look at offensively, defensively, special teams. I mean, they have weapons and I think this is a year that they could, they could possibly go, you know, all the way. The thing about the Browns that I'm looking at is that it's week three, we could, in theory, catch them early. The old sports cliche of catch them early before they start figuring out their stuff. Now, I don't know, man. I, I, I just think, you know, they they have a couple years of experience with each other, and Odell Beckham is back. I mean, you see the way he looks recovering from that. I mean, yeah. oh, man, just the weapons they have. You know, Landry, him, uh, and Joku, Chubb. I mean, and then defensively, they got Tony uh, opposite Garrett. Oh, gosh. You talk about you talk about that matchup, especially against two tackles that we're a little unsure of right now. So that is a pretty scary combination. Yeah, no, and they're the type of team that like can be can have that demoralizing factor, right? They got that strong front. They got two a two headed monster in the backfield, and oh yeah, Odell Beckham gashing you every once in a while. You're just like, well, what do I gotta, what do I gotta exactly. do? But, but Corey, this is the first time all season I'm pulling out my Believe Podcast uh, turd shining kit. Where, you know, maybe like we shine a couple of turds here, you know, maybe maybe it's early for the Browns. You can take care of business against the Raiders. We played the Buccaneers tough last year. Who knows if the Steelers are healthy? Lions on Turkey Day. Come on, that's a W. Yeah. Uh, Packers on Sunday Night Football. I'm never going to wrap my head around that. And then, yeah, man, that Seahawks game is going to be tough because they're definitely going to be fighting for a playoff spot. So I, I think it's time, Corey. You don't have to do a win a win total if you don't want to. Some people aren't into that. I'll do, I'll do it. I I, cool. I, I got to prepare. Mm-hmm. All right, cool, cool, cool. Um, because I got in a lot of trouble last year picking game scores. Uh, because they got in that six game losing streak, and I started doing the thing of like they're gonna win this week, and then after four losses, 
I was just like, I was just like, forget it. Like this isn't going to work out. But yeah, give us a give us a win loss prediction, and probably from there we can figure out whether you think the Chicago Bears team is making the playoffs in twenty twenty one. I think they're going to finish. I'm going to say nine. You know, I think I think uh, that's a that's a fair prediction. You know, I think they're going to look really well in certain games. But like we said, some of those games, the Browns, that kind of scares me. The Packers, they, they really don't fare too well. And Aaron Rodgers is in, in a year where he's really trying to prove himself with everything that's been going on in Green Bay. He's like, hey, I'm worth all this money and all this talk and, and everything that's been going on. And then you talk about the Steelers, you know, Big Ben towards the end of his career. He really wants to make a statement. Um, you know, th then you go to Seattle at 12th man. Russell Wilson, he really wants to make a statement that he thinks he's the best quarterback in the league, right? Because we know Tom Brady's up there, and then everyone says Aaron Rodgers, right? He's, but Russell Wilson, he's, he's trying to make that statement because I feel like he is definitely one of the underrated quarterbacks in the league. Everybody that talks about him, but they never consider him one of the best in the league. You know, they like, oh, he's playing really well. He's been playing good the past couple of years, but he's not one of the best, but I think he is. I think I think he's up there, you know, top three for sure. But people don't give him enough credit, I think. Um, and it might be something just playing on the West Coast all, all the way in Seattle. You know, you don't get as much coverage um, as a team, you know, like the Bears or New York Giants or or Bucks now that Tom Brady's over there. And to be fair, um, I just don't feel like he's ever put together a top to bottom um, amazing season that I think would probably bring him into that echelon. Like mm -hmm. last year, it was the first, I think, five or six games. He was the best player in the NFL, and then yeah, right. somewhere along the way, you know, injuries and stuff like that happened. Their offense began to sputter a little bit, and I think the year before it was almost like flipped. You know what I mean? Yeah, but, exactly, exactly. Yeah, a little tough. So yeah, nine and eight. I'm I'm with you, man. Um, I gotta be honest. All week long, the number in my head was seven. Um, okay. Seven, and and here's the thing that is my biggest concern right now, and it has nothing to do with the players on either side of the ball, but typically when you have something that is in flux like our offense and we know what our offense has looked like the last couple of years and it's even more now new pieces trying to figure everything out i'm always asking myself when i walk into sunday do we have a tactical advantage against the opponent and that's my biggest concern is when these things are a little bit uneven or unsure we're trying to figure stuff out can matt Nagy scheme and coach up a way to give us a tactical advantage i actually got high hopes for sean desai i think some of that stuff and i'm hoping that pre-snap the, the, I've heard stories about Vic Fangio's pre-snap switcheroo. He'll give yep. you a look and then disguise you and do something completely different after snap. I think Sean Desai is going to get back to that. That's going to help us out a lot. But when you're going, you're saying Matt Nagy versus Sean McVay, Matt Nagy versus Kevin Stefanski, Matt Nagy versus Matt LaFleur, Bruce Arians, Kyle Shanahan, it's, it's tough. Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh, uh, Pete Carroll, I'm kind of looking at it and I'm I'm asking myself the question. Here's what I'll say. When I pulled up the schedule and I went through it win by win, I actually thought it was like more of an eight, nine, nine, eight season. Yeah. Because I don't have a lot of faith in the Vikings. Yeah. I actually think the Bears should beat the Vikings twice and the Lions twice this year. I'm that, that's what I that's what I have projected too. I, I think I think those are gimme games because they always play them well. They have their number. Yep. Uh I, I just think those are but the Packers, I'm hoping they split that one. But usually, just the way Aaron Rodgers plays, I mean, it's just this is hard for for the Bears to beat him. I mean, it's it's kind of like that thing with Brett Favre, but like he just always beat the Bears, and people hated him for it. You know, same thing. They hate Aaron Rodgers because he always plays well against the Bears. You know. Yeah, and so if you got those four games right there against the NFC North, you take care of business with the Bengals, the Raiders, and the Giants. That already has yet seven. Yeah, yeah, that's that's what I had as well. So I think uh, you know the the Niners. That's going to be a tough game. You know, I think that's that's going to be a tough one over there. Um, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo has had a good preseason. Um, you know, they're kind of in a similar situation. I think Garoppolo. I think he's, he's more talented than Dalton at, at this stage in the game. But they have a young guy behind them that they eventually want to get in there. So it's very similar. Um, yeah, I think I think they just play really well out there and. That's going to be a tough one, and I think I think the Cardinals game. I think that's going to be a win at home because I think Arizona doesn't play well, you know, late in the season in the cold weather places. Hopefully, it's frigid. Hopefully, it's freezing. Yeah, yeah. You know, that breeze off there. You know, guys aren't wanting to play. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a different animal when when you when you get to Soldier Field when it's cold because I, I played a game 
back in 2012 or no, it was 2013. Uh, we played the Cowboys on Monday Night Football, and it was ice cold. The McCown game. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. Exactly. It was freezing out, and I remember um, <laughs> I hit Jason Witten on one of those plays where uh, it was like a Y off, and they come and kick you out, and uh, he came and hit me, and he's like, "Oh man, it is so cold." <laughs> I remember just laughing. Because I'm like, man, this dude used to playing, you know, in, in the dome and, and all that. And he's like, man, I've never been so cold in my life. It, it is just funny. You're the bet guys. They'll, they'll admit when, you know, they're they're cold or, you know, they're being soft or whatever. It's, it's funny. You know, guys like him and Antonio Gates, you know, they'd be like, damn, man, you, you big as hell, man. I don't even want to block you, man. It's, it's all right, man. My coach don't care. <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So veteran tight ends, man, are the funniest, honestly. You think the funniest is if you could pick one you, you threw two out just now but so okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you the funniest player that i ever played against andrew luck and i'm sure you've heard these stories so back in tw- his voice to start with yeah yeah so so back in 2012 uh you know i uh, i hit him twice and i sacked him and after both hits and the sack he was like oh great great hit great hit yo that was great you really got me on that one like and that's what he was known for. Like somebody hits him and he says, great hit, great job. And people thought it was just getting somebody's head like, oh, you know, you, you're not really affecting me, you know, to mess with you. But he was just a nice guy, like probably one of the nicest guys in the world. And, you know, I always tell everybody that story. I'm like, yeah, I hit him, I sacked him. And he was like, oh, great hit, great hit. Yeah, yeah, great, great, great job, man. You do a great job. Out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So he, he was a, he's a great guy. I think he's just probably like one of the nicest people that probably ever played in the NFL. He just... Not a bad bone in his body, not a mean bone in his body. He's just Andrew Luck, you know, Captain Andrew Luck. <laughs> yeah, and he got out of the game upright too. Like, give the dude. He I mean, because he was he was heading towards that area. I think in his career where some of the injuries, we could say whatever we want, but the dude was a tough a tough football player. I remember, by the way, that 2013 game against the Cowboys. In my opinion, yep. the greatest offensive game in Chicago Bears history that I've ever yep. watched in my lifetime. They did a great job there. No business being there. Exactly. <laughs> but hey, you know that 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 was that was a unique situation. Oh, that the last game of the season against Green Bay and the blown coverage, and we got a chance to make the playoffs. And I got held like crazy, and they didn't call it on that play. Uh, you know, we we somebody sent a picture to me on Twitter after that play. Was it TJ TJ Lang from uh, from the the Packers? You know, a guy a guy who I played in college in the league. Man, he held the crap out of me on that play. So that's something I'm like, come on, man. You know, but he's like, man, it ain't holding unless they call it. And I'm like, man, forget you, man. <laughs> my favorite, uh, my favorite uh, low shot, uh, my favorite punch down to Packers offensive lineman is it just looks like they never shower. <laughs> <laughs> And if you can confirm or deny that for me, that'd be great. Their hair just looks like it's not conditioned. Yeah. I don't know. Bakhtiari, he looks like he could probably have an endorsement for a head and shoulders or something. You know, he's got that <laughs> silky smooth hair, man. He's always got a slick back. Uh. <laughs> Him and Troy. Let's get to our let's get to our final section here. Um, this is kind of another one where we're just kind of putting our name on some stuff real quick. A bit of a lightning round. We're calling this unders. Uh, thanks to our sponsor, Bet Online. Dot AG and also our other sponsor play action for this episode too as well got some great promotions coming up for the NFL season so make sure you check it out just pulled up a bunch of odds real quick on our Chicago Bears Super Bowl 66 to 1 win the NFC 35 to 1 win the NFC North uh, plus 550 playoffs plus 210 win total 7.5 over is plus 100 uh any of those jump out to you it seems like the win total is probably yeah yeah i I think the win total i i think they'll definitely get over seven wins i was torn between a nine and eight eight and nine um i think that would be a pretty successful season and especially at nine wins they could still potentially make the playoffs you know um depending on what happens and, and how the teams fare but i think i think the biggest thing is if they can split that green bay game i think they can handle business you know, like we said, with the Vikings and Lions, I think the, the Green Bay games, just splitting that. You don't have to win both of them. Um, you just can't lose both of them. Yeah, take care of business and then just pick up, steal one of these two games that we're looking at the schedule. And as Bears fans are like, oh, that's a loss. Like, just steal one of those games. 
Moving on next, Justin Fields, Rookie of the Year odds. Surprisingly, he has the second best Rookie of the Year odds behind Trevor Lawrence, which I found to be very interesting. He's not even starting right now week one, but Vegas knows something that maybe we don't. Uh, anywhere from plus 500 to plus 700, five, five to one, seven to one. That's not bad. That's pretty good. No, no it's not bad. And I'm surprised like Zach Wilson hasn't been on there because he's had a really good preseason. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's kind of surprising. Maybe maybe there's something we don't know about. Maybe maybe they're going to, when the game starts, you know, week one, they're going to say, oh, there's been a ch- last minute change. Maybe that's the case. Yeah, I, I, I don't, don't know. I don't believe in it, but like, <laughs> dude, like, I pay attention to Vegas. Vegas bears to make the playoffs is only plus 210. That's a pretty low number. Vegas kind of has this vibe of like Justin Fields maybe taking over. And Early. season yeah. kind of being flipped on its head a little bit and things getting really exciting on the lakefront. You're totally right about Zach Wilson. Think about all the garbage yards and garbage touchdowns that he's going to rack up losing. I mean, not to be mean, but that's true. Yeah. They're going to yeah. be in games. Exactly. He's fourth quarter touchdowns. I think that's a great way to probably put up, you know, put up those stats. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I'm, I'm just hoping, like you said, you know, Justin Fields comes out there. It gets exciting. They go on a win streak, and then everybody's buzzing about him. He wins rookie of the year. They win the playoffs. That you know, they go all the way to the Super Bowl, and you know, they win the Super Bowl for the first time since '85. That would be a dream come true in Chicago. And he would be the savior. And then he just continues to get better every season. And then he's a Hall of Famer. They win another two Super Bowls, and then right? Wouldn't that be great? I, I named my son Fields. I named my daughter Justin. Whatever. Who cares? <laughs> Justina, you name it, Justina. <laughs> uh, let's move on to Allen Robinson really quick. Uh, I found these numbers. Actually, a lot of these Bears numbers are actually really, really, really tasty. Uh, Allen Robinson, over 1,075 yards, minus 112. Over 7.5 touchdowns, plus 100. I mean, those are very, very attainable numbers for Allen Robinson. Yeah. I mean, he gets 1,000 a, a yards on the worst off, you know, some of the worst Bears offenses we've seen. Yeah, I, I think he goes way, way above that. Um, you know, I think I think this year he has a 12, 1300 yard season, you know, and, and you look at the pieces there. Mooney, I mean, he just continues to get better. We still got Jimmy Graham over there. It's a crazy red zone threat. His sure hands over the middle. Um, and then we have Goodwin, too. That's the speedster uh, deep. So I think run, run the football early and often. And then Robinson is that guy. And you've seen in the past couple of years, you throw it up and you put it in a rain where only he can get it. He's going to get it, you know, and he's shown that. So I think he'll go over that and I think he'll get over seven, seven and a half. You said or seven, to seven and a half over. Seven okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think, he'll, I think he'll get at least, at least eight, you know, I think for sure. Um, I think he's, I think he's a guy that just, I'm just hoping they can get the offense worked out the, the passing game. I know they're going to get the running game going. Uh, I just hope they can, not be too cautious in the passing game, you know, maybe early on, but after you start getting the running game, open it up a little bit, you know, whoever's in their fields or Dalton, let them throw the football, right. Let them take a chance. Find somebody. I hope it's Mooney, but it could be Kamat or whatever. Find somebody that the other team has to at least keep a half eyeball on because Allen Robinson, there isn't a blade of grass in the field or a route in the playbook that he can't run. He's so impressive. He's like, He's like Brandon Marshall without the issues. Like he, I, exactly. I, I'm such a huge Allen Robinson fan. Yeah. Uh, we mentioned Darnell Mooney. Um, again, another one that I like a whole lot. Uh, over under 4.5 touchdowns, over under 700.5 yards. What do you like? Oh, over both. I, I think I think him and Robinson have 1,000-yard seasons, right? I, I really think that you – an extra game as well. I think – so let me ask you this, right, real quick. So – Adding another game, do you think? Do you think that changes the whole dynamic of of what a thousand yard season rushing or or receiving means, or or sack numbers double digits, or you know interceptions double digits? Do you think that changes that much? That's a great, great question. Um, in terms of the sacks, I do not think it changes it because I think, and this is outside of football, there is something um, arbitrary, subconscious about the number ten. There's something about that double-digit number that people can easily wrap their head around. So I think the 10 is always going to be there. But that's a great point, especially with what I think a 1,000 yards is still only averaging like 65 rushing yards a game, which really doesn't like light it's your hair. It's not that much. It doesn't light your hair on fire, right? But that's a great point in terms of definitely with running backs, I think, moving forward. I think another one that will be interesting 
is how we kind of wrap our heads around 25 touchdowns and 30 touchdowns. 30 touchdowns for me was always kind of like this big number of like, you're, you're having yourself a season. This is Pro Bowl. This is elite. You're on your way. That's a great call at that extra game. I wonder if that maybe changed. Yeah. What do you think? I, I think um, the rushing yards, I think it's still a big deal, a thousand, because it's running back by committee nowadays. It's not like when we were growing up where it was, you know, your Emmett Smith's, uh, Jerome Bettis's, where they got the ball 40 times a game. Yeah, exactly. So it's usually a running back by committee. And um, so I think that's more impressive nowadays to get a thousand yards. Just because that's like what, what Derrick Henry <laughs> did in Tennessee. I mean, it's unbelievable. I mean, that's any way you want to talk about it, 2,000 yards in, in this day and age with the defenses the way they are um, is impressive. So I think for any any running back going over 1,000 this day and age, especially if you're splitting the backfield, that's unbelievable. Like, I think do – you, do you know by any chance who the last two – two-headed a thousand yard rushers were was it was it chris johnson and uh and uh lindell white or he might have just been just under a thousand the year he went for oh wow that's a great question the last two were um lamar jackson and mark ingram and lamar jackson's not even a running back but uh before that right uh 2009 was jonathan stewart and d'angelo williams that's the last yep Exactly. And uh, before that was Brandon Jacobs and Derek Ward. That's when uh, I think their Super Bowl year. So there hasn't been many. There's, o- there's only been seven total in the history of, of the NFL. So that's, that's hard, uh, and, and honestly, this kind of this changes in terms of your question. I think 2000 yards changes for me a little bit with the extra game because that's, yeah, yeah. that's like Barry Sanders. That's big time territory for me and anyone that gets to that mark with that extra game you're kind of like well yeah no it's it's tough because you look at back in the day it was definitely a a run first mentality just just the way football has evolved now it's becoming more of a passing game still running the football but that's why you know in some regards I have more respect for a guy like Derrick Henry because you're like there's so many different things that a running back does nowadays. It's not just a grinder like him. It's, you know, the catch the ball in the backfield, screens, let me block, let me this. And he's a guy that's an old school type of build, like that's going to give you 40 carries a game and doesn't get injured and can maintain that throughout a whole season in the playoffs, et cetera. So that's why I find super impressive about him is, is the fact, you know, his durability, you know, for, for being a guy that's carrying the ball 40 plus times a game. And to the old football adage, the dude gets stronger as the game goes on. Carries, That's scary. Carries 28 to 34 suck for the opposing defense just as much as one through six. And that's and that's what's really tough about a guy like Derrick Henry. 6'4", 260. I mean, he's a defensive end, tight end. I mean, come on. Him one-on-one in space with a safety or corner. Good luck, Chuck. <laughs> good luck <laughs> bye-bye <laughs> you know they just, just try to dive at his legs or you know act like, act like they're trying to tackle but they don't want to tackle him they don't want that smoke how fluid, fluid your hips are as a cornerback that's that's going to be a lot of trouble there so i think we're also saying uh so david montgomery's over under for yards is a thousand it's a thousand point five so we're feeling pretty I, good about that over right i feel i feel good about it um cohen's cohen's we don't know when he's going to come back right he's still recovering from the acl um I think they're going to put all the emphasis on him. And I think they want him to be the long-term back, David Montgomery, for the Bears. I think this is a big year for him. Um, and I think they're going to give him the rock early and often. I think I think he'll for sure get over 1,000. I, th- I think probably around 1,200, you know, with the extra game and all. And like I said, they're going to have to be a run-first team. And if he could have great success, I mean, this could be this could be a really breakout season for him, Pro Bowl caliber type if they run the ball like I think they should, you know they should. Matt Nagy knows they should. You know, just run the football. Hand them the rock. Hand them the rock. Hand them the rock. And until until you get tired, you know. I, I love watching him punish opponents. I got two more for you. Uh, one real quick: Jimmy Graham over under three point five touchdowns. Uh, over- easy, easy money. I know, right? <laughs> so right. one of my best calls on this pod last year was uh i think his over under was the same it was like 3.5 or 4 and i was like dude he's gonna get that in september and then he did you know what i mean like he's a red exactly. monster i think he, he could have 12 receptions all year 
and six of them will be touchdowns, in my opinion. Yeah, I I, th- I think that's his bread and butter now. Now that he's kind of slowed down, you know, as he's getting older, he's still an athletic guy, but not what he was early on with the Saints and, and Seahawks before he hurt his knee. So he kind of knows his role. They know where he fits in. He's going to be that red zone target. And he had eight last year. I think he'll probably go for the same this year. You know, it's going to be a situation where if Montgomery's running the football well, you know, you have those two tight ends in there, hard play action sell, dump it over the top to six, seven, Jimmy Graham, who can still go up and get it against a safety or linebacker that's, you know, 5'11". He's 6'7". Give him the rock up high. Maybe we will see that week one when Justin Fields comes in for a little red zone package. Uh, You know, red zone package. We'll see what happens. Here's my final one for you. And honestly, I love the value on this. Khalil Mack, Defensive Player of the Year, 24 to 1 odds. Slap in the face? No, I mean, it's hard, to, I, it's, I, it's hard to win Defensive Player of the Year. There's a lot of guys out there. Some dudes have, you know, the, there's going to be a guy that we don't even know about that's going to get 17 sacks, right? Like, yeah. and so yeah. that happens every year. He's, it's a really interesting value if you're a Bears fan. You want to throw just a couple dollars on it because it's going to pay off great. Exactly. Uh, just what do you expect from Khalil Mack this year? I, I think he'll have a, a great season. And I think people underestimate, um, you know, when he has eight sacks or nine sacks, they kind of, like, oh, well, he didn't have double digits like I wanted him to. But he's all over the place. You know, he's he's one of those defensive ends that plays the run well. He rushes the passer well. Uh, he, he has those big splash plays where he can, you know, pick up a fumble and take it to the house. Same thing, get an interception. But I think his game now, I don't think he's he's a guy anymore that's going to get, you know, the, the 14 and a half sacks like we saw in Oakland. I think he's a guy that's going to be anywhere from eight to about 12. And that doesn't get you player of the year as a defensive end. It just doesn't. Un- unless you just had some kind of crazy, you know, uh, scoop and score numbers where you're having all these touchdowns or interceptions. I think 12 gets you a pro ball, gets you one of the best defensive ends in the league. But I don't think it gets you defensive player of the year. Like, because every year you see a crazy stat, a guy that gets 12 picks or a defensive end that has 19 and a half sacks or something like that. Um, or a linebacker, you know, that has all these tackles and, and sacks and all that. But I think he's going to be a guy that everyone knows his value. He's one of the best ends in the league. He's consistent. Um, I just don't think he's that high sack number that everyone thought he was going to be for, throughout his whole career. You know, I, I think he's a guy that's steady. Gives you the pressures, give you the sacks and flurries, right? He'll have a game where he has two, then he'll have a couple of weeks where he doesn't, but he'll make other plays in other places. I don't look at sack totals that much with Khalil Mack. That doesn't really do it for me. I know a lot of people are giving him a hard time for having nine and a half sacks la- last year. Oh, God forbid. Yeah. And for me, it's, yeah, I like that they have to pay extra attention. Maybe they keep a tight end in the box because they got to take care and chip him, mm-hmm. slow down or out a little bit. My thing with him is, I think he's one of the best dudes that shakes the ball loose out of the quarterback's hands on first contact that I've seen in a long time. So for me personally, if you're saying eight or nine sacks, but you're saying four forced fumbles, give me that all day. All yeah, day. So, so you think that's defensive player of the year type stats? Like, Oh, no. If he, if he, okay. Yeah. It's, it's 24 to one. You could throw a couple of dollars yeah, down. But man, that's yeah. really hard. What would have to happen was the Bears would have to be 15 and two, yep. and he'd have to have, yeah, 19. I think 15. I think I think 15 is like a number as a defensive end because you look at like J.J. Watt, right? He's a guy that won, you know, multiple defensive player of the year awards. And he was a guy that had all, you know, double, double, you know, they, they would slide protections on him, double team him. This He'd still get 18, 19 sacks, 16 sacks as a defensive tackle, what they consider him, even though he was like an end in between. But he was a guy that was all over the place that you're like, we have to give it to him. I mean, he's He's everywhere. You know, those stats don't lie. And, and to your point, I agree. The sack numbers don't matter so much in the scheme of things of how good of a player he is in this. But when it comes to those type of awards, they want to see a certain number. And that's what it comes down to, right? Because Jalen Ramsey or this cornerback could have, you know, five balls thrown at him all season. But if he doesn't have the interception number, he will never win defensive play of the year, which, which I think is kind of skewed. It, it's just based on your stats when it comes to that and not, you know, if, if teams are scared of you and things like that. So, you know, when it comes to recognition and credit, you know, the, the, the players get it, the coaches get it, but the fans just see the numbers and they're like, Oh, well, you can't win that because, you know, it, it's, be, it's become just a stat contest. Number 10. <laughs> yeah. It becomes a stat contest. And, and I think 
that's the hardest part because I feel like a guy throughout his career, a defensive end could be like Khalil Mack, right? And, and you know, maybe maybe not have the sack numbers of a Michael Strahan or Kevin Green, but could arguably be one of the best defensive ends to ever play the game. But people would never do that because they look at numbers, right? And they say Bruce Smith, 200, you know, Reggie White, 198 and a half or whatever it is, you know, and that's that's what they say. Kevin Green, 160. And they look at that and, oh, those are the, those are the best defensive ends or, you know, rushers of all time. And yes, they are great. And they're but there's certain things that stats really don't define. And you're going to tell me like a guy like Julius Peppers, his sack numbers aren't the same as you know, Kevin Green. But Kevin Green was a better was a better player than him. I, I don't buy that. Right. You know, and there's no disrespect to Kevin Green, you know, rest in peace to him, great player, but I'm just talking from a strictly player standpoint, right? Julius Peppers, in my opinion, was a better player than Kevin Green, right? But Kevin Green's sack numbers were more. But sometimes people say, well, you know, look at the stats and they say, well, he's got to be the third best, right? No. Well, and, and on top of that, too, as well, because you, you're talking a little bit about just kind of narrative and how it goes out to like normal, casual NFL fans. And I think right now the J.J. Watt of right now is Aaron Donald, where, yep. you know, Aaron Donald, everybody knows how great Aaron Donald is. And I will be the first to say Aaron Donald's great. He's, he's an amazing, amazing football player. But to win defensive player of the year, you almost like need to like double his numbers. You know what I mean? To even kind of put yourself in that area and that's just kind of how people in perception kind of view players and look at stuff and it's always going to be kind of maybe aaron donald's award to lose more than it is someone's to go out there and win so for example like uh, a guy like chris jones a couple of years ago when he had like 14 and a half sacks for a kansas city defensive tackle he wasn't even in the conversation right and for a d tackle to have 14 and a half sacks that's a big deal you know but it's it's just like this it's, your name has to be up there. If Chris Jones was like, that was his second year doing it, then he would have been in the conversation. But his first year really breaking out like that. And it's almost like you got to do something like out of your mind. Like as a as a defensive end, like you think about it, Aaron, Aaron Donald, you know, is having 18, 19 sacks, uh, which is unbelievable. But as a defensive end, it's like you have to do that much more because he's getting doubled. He's this, you know, triple team. All, uh, all the attentions on them. So it's like you have to do something spectacular. You have to have like 12 sacks, five interceptions at the end, you know, 20 tackles for loss and just be all over the place at all times for them to even consider it, you know. And sometimes sometimes I don't like the fact that stats stats matter, but I think not as much as, as people think, you know, because like we were talking about a guy like Jalen Ramsey, his stats aren't up there but he's arguably one of the best guys to ever play the game. Right. And, and, you know, when, when you look at like all time, you know, interception numbers and this, that, and the other, you look at like Dion and all these other guys, because people actually threw at them, you know, you know, they, they wouldn't throw at them as much, but they actually threw it. If some of these cornerbacks in the league, they don't even touch, they don't even go to their side because they, they know what's going to happen and they don't want to make that mistake. So it's kind of skewed because when you look at all time greats, the stats are starting to diminish a little bit. You know, when you look at sack numbers, you look at, um, you know, rushing yards, this, that, and the other guys aren't playing as long and different things like that. But sometimes I wish they would just look, look at overall body of work and, and how you impacted games and over your career, as opposed to just strictly stats. Well, yeah, you could say that about passing yards. That's kind of gotten skewed over time. You know, uh, Peanut Tillman's fumbles, though, you look at that stat, and that stat, like, means something. Exactly. I will say from, a, from a fan's perspective, and I'm a kid who grew up loving statistics and stuff like that, but the way that I kind of looked at it is statistics help you learn the game in the, in the beginning. And in the end, they also help you, as you were mentioning about Kevin Green and Julius Peppers, can give people kind of an insight to look back and compare legacies and generations. But I think what you're getting at is there's a big, fat middle in there from when you learn a stat to the end of your career, looking back at your stats, there's the middle of like everything that you're talking about, how you played the game, what kind of teams you were on, honestly, what kind of teammate you were, you know, what you did in those moments, you know, you could have maybe only four sacks in a season, but what if those four sacks came in the most pivotal, amazing moments, you know what I'm saying? And exactly. like yeah. I'm talking to the guy here that sacked Brett Favre and, you know, people still connect that to you. You know what I mean? So all that stuff kind of like leads into it a little bit. And it's that big fat middle where 
I think I think we're both advocating that fans maybe take a little bit closer look at instead of worrying about Khalil Mack getting nine and a half sacks instead of ten. You know exactly, exactly. Like it's it's a bigger deal. Like when once you go under, underneath that ten number, it's like oh no, he's, he's, he didn't have the season that we thought. His stock is going down, but that's not the case. And like I said, I, yeah, I think Khalil Max at the stage in his game where he's going to be anywhere from eight to 12 sacks a year. And that's great. I think that's great. Um, you know, I think he's a guy that can do it all. Like if he was a guy that was strictly just a pass rusher, I would have a problem with that. Right. If, if he was supposed to be, you know, oh, he's just a pass rusher. He's just that. Like he's just a Dwight Freeney, you know, a guy that just goes off the edge three to four downs and just runs upfield. He's not worried about playing the run. But Khalil Mack does it all. He's probably one of the most complete defensive ends. You know, they consider him a linebacker, but I think he's a defensive end. I mean, he's got the strength. He's got the speed. Plays the run well. Um, there's nothing he can't do out there. He can cover. He's athletic enough. Um, yeah, I think he's the most complete defensive lineman in, in football, I think. We finished a fantastic episode talking about Khalil Mack. Corey, I think we we're ready for the 2021 Chicago Bears season. I think we're ready. I think we're ready, man. And we were talking about Aaron Donald, too. Listeners, make sure you check out next week's episode because we're going to talk about matchups. We're going to talk about how the Chicago Bears could possibly win in week one. I know. You haven't heard anyone talk about it. <laughs> we're going to talk about it. We're going to wrap our heads around maybe stealing a game in L.A., a game that I'm very happy that I'm going to be at, too, as well. Today's episode of Believe in Bears was brought to you by BetOnline.ag. 100% welcome bonus on your first deposit. How do you say no? And also play action. They've got some amazing, amazing deals and some great office pools to help you set up and enjoy the football season all day, all year long. And Balance 7 pH Supplement. Great products going through the Believe Podcast Network right now. Make sure you check all of them out. Corey, my man, we're here. We've done a little preseason here, but now it's time to like put it on, and now it's time to make it real. Yeah, man, I'm excited about it. You know, it's game week next week. You know, everything hits a little different. You know, the coffee, the pre-workout, you know, biceps are a little different on game week. So I'm excited for it. Like Joey said, we're going to break it down. We're going to preview. We're going to look at the matchups. We're going to look at how the Bears can shock the world week one. Yes. Beating the Rams, right? Joey's going to be there, all hands on deck with his Bears jersey. People are going to be yelling and cursing at him, whatever. But he's going he's gonna to witness. We're going to show you how they could possibly win this game. So tune in next week. You know, Let us know what you guys think of the podcast, comments, concerns, et cetera. Let us know and appreciate you guys' uh, support. Yeah, thank you so much for listening. Listenership has definitely been up over the last month, and we can't thank you guys enough for coming in to tune in and hope you come back. Uh, Corey, before you go, throw out your socials, all that good way for people to contact you. Yep, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, at, at Corey Wooten, C-O-R-E-Y-W, two O's, two T's, O-N, just so you don't get it twisted. And then you can find me on Facebook as well, but that's a little bit more personal, you know, family photos, uh, Corey Wooten as well. But, uh, yeah, like I said, like, comment, share. Let us know what you think. We love your feedback. We love having the girl dad here on the pod this week. <laughs> Second week of school, my friend. You can find me, Joey Christopoulos, on Twitter, Instagram at Joey Sports Guy. Thank you so much for listening to this pod. Everyone be safe, be well, please be good to each other. We're going to see you next week for Bears Rams. Corey, what else can I say? Bear down, man. Bear down and drop some bombs on the golf course, my man. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.